I'm Anne, co-host of Transparency in Teaching, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of My EdTech Live. Thank you so much for making us part of your morning anywhere in the world that you may be joining us from. Hopefully, you're having a beautiful start to your day, or if, if it's evening, hopefully you've had a wonderful day as you're winding down. But wherever in the world you are, as always, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for all of your support. Thank you so much for sharing our episodes. Thank you so much for all the great feedback and the reviews. As always, you know that our mission, our vision, and our passion is to connect educators, education professionals, and creators one show at a time. And I'm really excited about today's show. I have an amazing guest that I got to connect with through the ED3 Educators Group. And we'll maybe talk a little bit about that as well as we're talking about the DAOs and talking about Web3 and, you know, technology in education. But today I would love to welcome to the show Dewan Johnson. Dewan Johnson, who's joining us from Corona, California this morning. Dewan, how are you doing this morning? I am doing great. I am, am super excited to be here and looking forward to, uh, you know, helping to inspire and, and, and change lives uh, with you. So uh, I'm, I'm super excited to be here and, um, you know, and answer questions if need be. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Dewan. I appreciate it. And I know this episode was planned a while ago, you know, but of course, you know, the way schedules work out, but I'm glad that we're here today having these conversations. And I'm just still so pumped because not only have I already had my great cup of coffee, but just the conversation just pre-show was really great. Just a lot of the commonalities that, you know, you and I have gone through and then, you know, talking about the world of education and of course, amplification of creativity, not only for students, but for teachers as well. So we'll get into that right now. But Dewan, this is my one of my favorite segments in the show. As you know, I always tell all my guests, you know, every time I invite anybody on the show, it is somebody that I have either connected with or see the work that they're doing or the message, uh, or they, they, you know, portray a message that I stand and, and believe in, which in this case is the creativity component in education. So, you know, I would love to know kind of like that superhero origin story where Dewan Johnson comes from. What was that origin story? How did you go into education? Was it something you always wanted to do? And, you know, the work that you're doing now. So Dewan, let us know that origin story. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I, I never had any intentions on being an educator uh, <laughs> at all. Uh, and so, you know, my story is, um, you know, uh, being young, you know, not really having a lot of life experiences. I, I just wanted to get paid and make money <laughs> that that was the goal. Um, you know, uh, hopefully I'll find myself in the NBA or some professional sports league and then, and, and live a comfortable life and get paid. That, that, that was the goal. So education, um, came later. Um, and, and it's funny how it came about. So. Uh, you know, my story starts kind of, I grew up uh, in the inner city of Inglewood, California. Uh, I was there until about 15 years old. So, but in school, 
um, I was kind of an oddball in the sense of like, I really enjoyed learning. Uh, my peers, not so much, uh, but learning and, and going to school, I was good at it. And, uh, you know, I was an honor student. Uh, you know, I got all kinds of accolades and awards. It felt good to come home and, you know, share my certificates or, uh, or things with my, with my, with my mom. And so, uh, I was, I was good. And then, uh, at 15, uh, we moved uh, into the suburbs. <laughs> and so, uh, all of the A's and honors and stuff that I had in, in, in the hood, if you will, uh, I was failing everything in the, in the suburbs. Uh, we moved out to Claremont, California. And, uh, you know, the people out there didn't look like me. I didn't, we didn't communicate the same way. We had a lot of different, uh, cultural things and, and I really had to adjust and adapt and I didn't know how. And I think for me, my first time realizing that, you know, education, it's, uh, you know, it, it's not the same everywhere. Uh, it, there were some gross inequities, uh, that I had learned about really quick. Um, uh, but as I said, I took pride in, in, in being smart and trying to be one of the brightest ones in my classroom. So I had to learn how to figure it out. Um, and then so I could excel. Um, and then also being, you know, one of the few people of color where I was after I moved, you know, I didn't want to fit the, the narrative or the stereotype. Um, so, you know, I was like, I, I want to be, I want to get back to where I was. And so, um, I had an opportunity, um, and a program, uh, and it's still in schools today. I, I always give them credit up or bound, uh, where they, they really, you know, they tutored, they, they took me to the side, me and some other kids. Uh, and, and really helped me on the skills I needed in order to excel well in school and then, and prepare myself for, for post-secondary for college. And so, uh, that's kind of how the educational piece kind of came about. Uh, you know, I eventually went to college. I didn't go to college because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I was still on the, um, you know, I don't know what I really want out of life other than just to get paid. Um, but in going to college. Uh, what I learned was, is that it was the best place for me because I was exposed to things that I wouldn't have been, uh, in the environments I was in. And then I met other people who looked like me, who share some of, you know, uh, my culture and, and, and things that I was interested in, uh, you know, making strides to be better. And that was encouraging and inspiring. And so I wanted to be a part of that. And so, uh, I majored in communications because somebody said that was good to do not because I knew what I wanted to do. <laughs> Um, and in the school of, uh, communications, I remember at this time, you probably remember it too. Like, remember when everybody was making, uh, uh, like burning CDs and, 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 and DVDs, yeah. or like the Apple IMAX computer, like when they first came out. And so, uh, people were doing that. I'm like, man, this is cool. I, I want to do that. So at the school I was at, uh, they had a program there where they were showing us how to learn on the Macs, uh, how to burn DVDs. Uh, and I'm like, I can make movies. This, this is awesome. And so, uh, at this time they were also had another component in there where they taught you about graphic, uh, design and, and everything And it. To me, it, it was a brand new world. Like, I'm like, this is amazing. I was always someone who I you know was creative. I like taking things apart and figuring out why they worked and how they worked. Uh, you know, I, I just enjoyed technology. My, my dad, he always worked in it. So he was always bringing home you know, little motherboards and circuit boards and other stuff. And those things were intriguing. So, you know, going back to where I was at college and I had opportunity to, 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 to learn how to create some of this stuff in this new platform, right. With the iMac and, uh, learning software like final cut, or, you know, they had like an avid board, like 
after this, I was like, man, I want to be an editor. Like I wanted to be an editor. I wanted to make movies. I wanted to make music videos. Uh, and so when I graduated from college with my, my bachelor's, uh, I went into the field. Um, you know, I worked at a couple of production houses, uh, worked at a few studios. I was doing editing, working in, like, it was fun. Uh, but what I quickly learned was that oftentimes when you're creating in these, in these different businesses and organizations, uh, you know, once again, I, I was usually the only one who looked like me, which didn't play too much of a part in it, but I was in a room all day by myself, <laughs> which I was like, oh, this, this isn't as fun as I thought. I'm, I'm thinking maybe this is more of a hobby than it is a career. Uh, you know, or sometimes you'll have the producers come in and they'll tell you what to do. And then you're just in the dark room editing. And I'm like, I think, I think I like people. <laughs> like this, I like the tech piece, but I think I like people too. And so, uh, fast forward, I get a opportunity to, uh, go to this program, um, during the summer it's called, uh, and they're still around. It's called ID tech camp. And so at this camp, uh, this particular one, um, uh, was in, in Michigan at the University of, uh, of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And this program, what they do is they bring people in uh, and I came in as a counselor. And my job was to every week when we get a new group of students, I would teach them in digital arts, robotics, like STEM, edu what we coin now is STEM and STEAM education. At that time, it didn't really have a, a term. Uh, and video production, so stuff I was already good at. So I got an opportunity to teach kids between the ages of seven and 17. And uh, I was having a blast. And I remember one of my coworkers, they were like, hey, Dewan, when we get off of work, let's all go hang out. And for whatever reason, it clicked. I'm like, this is work? And this seems like fun. And so uh, they were like, well, you know, you may want to consider working in education. I'm like, man, they, they don't get paid. <laughs> like, I don't want to work in education, but I had so much fun in what I was doing. I'm like, I have to consider it. And so when I came back to California after that nine, 10 week stint at the University of Ann Arbor, uh, I went in, I got, uh, I took the C-Best, right? I got my, my, uh, my, I got an emergency credential. I was able to sub. And so I started to substitute teaching and I loved it. <laughs> and so people were like, you like being a substitute teacher? Like, don't they treat the subs mean? And I'm like, nah, man, they're not treating me mean. You know, oftentimes they're like, wow, you're a sub or, you know, I think I was close or relatively close to their age. Um, and I would just share stories about with them. I had the best time substitute teaching, but once again, it, it didn't pay really well. And, uh, and the job I had even as an editor, when I was walk, working in those dark rooms all day, like they paid really, really good. So leaving that was tough, but I, I have more fun uh, I guess, if you will, being, being broke and truly enjoying what I was doing every day than I did, you know, um, prior. And so, um, I substitute taught, um, but I knew I couldn't do that forever. Cause like I said, it didn't pay well enough. Uh, but I knew I found my lane and it was more of, all right, what am I going to do, uh, uh, in this lane? Uh, I didn't feel competent enough to, you know, be responsible for any one particular subject for, for a student. But I wanted to be able to teach like the digital arts, you know, communication. Uh, and I knew I wanted to do it at the high school level, uh, but I just didn't know how to get in because at the time there wasn't any programs I could find. Um, I was tossing back and forth between 
know, do I really want to go back to school? Do I want to, you know, jump back in debt? Like it was, you know, all of these things kind of going through my head. And so um, I ended up finding a, a, a full-time uh, uh, subbing position uh, in, in LA. Uh, and let me tell you just the, 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 the passion you have when you do something, you go through, you know, you go through extreme, extreme things. So I'm living in, uh, at my parents' house at this time, right? in Pomona and I'm working all the way in South Central LA. So if anyone knows California and knows the commute, uh, that's, that's a two and a half hour commute daily with traffic, right? And I gotta be there at seven in the morning. So that means I'm leaving my house like you know, five o'clock, right? And I'm doing it for like a hundred bucks a day because I truly love what I'm doing. And so, uh, so I did that for a year, but in the process of doing that, I had a, uh, an administrator say, Hey, if you want to make this, you know, a full-time thing where you're getting benefits and things like that, go back to school and, you know, we'll take care of you. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to go back, but I love what I was doing. And so one of the things I went back and did, I got a degree, um, as a counselor, because that's one of the things that I always wanted growing up. So I'm going to kind of lead and guide. And for me, so I was like, maybe I can do this for others and then try to bring the tech piece um, to, to be a part of it. And so uh, that's how I got into education. Uh, you know, as a counselor, it was awesome as well, too, because I can pull people aside um, at the high school level, middle school level. I did both, uh, you know, use different technology pieces that I had learned in the industry, uh, you know, creating videos, uh, working with WordPress, doing content management stuff with them when kids were absent uh, you know, using graphic arts and I'm like, man, I'm actually combining both worlds, uh, and what I'm doing and, but there was no script for it. Right. You kind of just have to kind of find your way. And so, uh, yeah, you know, long story, I tried to shorten it up, but that's, that's <laughs> how I got into education. Uh, you know, technology. <laughs> no, but that's, that's so wonderful because you hit on so many things that I know we talked a little bit on the pre-chat and, uh, but you brought those to light. So we're definitely going to highlight a little bit of that as, uh, you know, we continue the conversation. But I just really must say, you know, I, I love a couple of things that you said, you know, going from all A's. And, and I just kind of want to dive in just a little bit deeper on this uh, because I'm just kind of curious. So, you know, going from an all A student, you know, back where where you were. And then, of course, you said you moved to the suburbs and then all of a sudden, you know, that that kind of things changed what was it that you can see or say, was it like the, the curriculum or was it, you know, just the overall kind of culture, you know, because being an all A student in, in one district and then going to another one. And then, like you said, you kind of, you know, had some barriers there. You had some difficulties as far as your grades were concerned. What do you attribute that to? Um, I attribute it to is we weren't learning the same stuff. Um, you know, what it comes down to it, like, for instance, uh, you know, I had a Spanish class, right? It was Spanish when I was ninth grader. I'm in the, you know, I'm in my in the inner city and I got an A in my Spanish class, right? I'm, I'm learning, uh, you know, how to say, uh, you know, different terms and, and things like that. So, you know, I get an A in Spanish one. So, you know, following year I'm, I'm in the suburbs and I'm, I'm in Spanish too. Right. And this is just an example. Um, and then in the Spanish too, the first day we walk in, the teacher goes, all right, we're not going to speak any English. Uh, we're going to only speak Spanish starting the day. So they're having conversational dialogue. Like I only knew terms. I didn't know how to conjugate verbs. I didn't know how to, they, they learned all of that in Spanish one at their school. 
right? And so in math, it was the same thing where, you know, I came in as a sophomore into the school in the suburbs uh, in, uh, I think it was algebra two. My freshman year, uh, when I was in inner city, I had geometry. And the year before that, I had algebra one. So when I go into algebra two in my new school, they're like, they're so far along, right? Number one, number two, they had books. Like we didn't even have books <laughs> where I was. And so, you know, that part of it. And then the other piece was, you know, um, at least if I struggled when I was at my school in the inner city, I knew who and to go to and speak with, right? There, it, it almost seemed like they didn't want to talk to me. So I'm like, I need help. I need help. And they're like, there was no tutoring. There was no help. Um, you know, learning is social. And so uh, I felt isolated, <laughs> right? So when you feel isolated and you're a struggling learner, uh, you, you really only have two options, right? You, you quit or you figure it out. And I really wanted to quit. Um, I wanted to move back. I wanted to be in, a, in a, an environment where I felt successful. Um, you know, I didn't trust the people I was, you know, um, now, you know, living amongst none of the teachers I felt were helping me. And I didn't even know how to really ask for it. And so, uh, you know, I remember my mom saying, she goes, you know, you want, you want to be a stat, <laughs> you want to be a stud. Like that was her question. She goes, if you're going to be a stat, you know, you're going to, you're going to fit the stereotype that they already feel about you. If you want to be a stud, you got to figure it out. And so I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. And so, you know, I touched base to some of my people back over in the city, over in Inglewood, like, is there a program or something like I could be a part of? And they were like, yes, we're bound. See if they have anything like that where you are. And I, I searched around and they didn't. So what that meant for me was the Over Bound program, uh, they had Saturday uh, tutoring sessions, but it was at USC. So I would have to take the bus on Saturdays from where I was in Claremont. That was the suburb I was in. Uh, I had to take the bus from Claremont to USC, which is about two hours. And I was there for six, seven hours getting, getting training. And I hated it because I'm going to school on a Saturday. But I, what I hated more was feeling like that feeling of not feeling like number one, I belong. And number two, that, you know, everybody was smarter than me. And number three, fulfilling everyone's, you know, uh, perception about what, you know, what black students do in school. And so that, that hit a little harder. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to just take care of it on my Saturday. So I'm, I'm going to come back bigger, better, better and bigger because I, I didn't want to be a statistic. There you go. That, that's amazing. And I thank you so much for sharing that story, you know, just because Again, I, I'm always looking to learn things from different perspectives and, you know, yeah. just being here, just my whole life where I'm at, it's, it's like, I've always seen just the, the same thing, but just understanding that a little bit better just really adds more to really like hearing that in your story as well as you continued on, you know, doing the editing and working in editing group, group rooms. It just seemed like it, it, it Dewan's life was kind of like in that isolation state, I guess, you yeah. know, when you moved to the suburbs. And then you said just working alone in, in the dark rooms, editing and really nobody there. But one thing that I love that you said is that, you know, learning is social. And that's something that's very important. And it really resonates with me because I can definitely see the way when you took those skills that you learned, you know, through university and you were able to socialize with quote unquote work. And you're like, well, this doesn't even feel like work because, you know, I'm helping people, you know, yeah. it, it just makes it that much different. And so that transition, also, I want to talk about that and hit that point where you were able to marry those worlds when you were going, you know, doing your, the, the designing, the, the media, all of that good stuff, and then coming into the classroom. 
as a substitute and marrying those worlds. Um, before we get into that, as a substitute, what is it that you learned during that time that has been the most, probably the most valuable piece of, I guess, learning for you now that you are currently working as an assistant principal? Wh what was it that you still maybe go back to, you know, as, as far as uh, being a substitute to your current work now? Um, I think it's this, the power of, of connection and, and belonging, right? So when I would go into these classrooms as a sub, I mean, I remember what we used to do when we had a sub. It was like, it's a sub, or we're, we're going to, you know, figure, figure out a way not to go to class, or we'll sit in different chairs, it's, you know, because it's the sub. They don't know. And so um, for me, it was the power of connection. So when I would come into the classroom as a sub, um, you know, I had two responsibilities, I felt. Number one was always to keep the kids safe. Uh, number two. I needed to follow the teacher's lesson plan if, if they left one. <laughs> and so for me, what I did, oftentimes the teachers didn't leave lesson plans. So I looked at it as an opportunity to connect with the kids in the classroom. So I would just share stories with them. Like, you know, I would walk in first, I, I, would, I would walk in and I was just like, hey, how's everybody doing today? They're kind of like, hey, yeah, 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 whatever. And I was like, hey, I want to share a story with you guys about a relationship I was in, right? When I was in high school. Right. And these are high school kids. So they all like, oh, yeah, we want to know about this. So you tell them about a story about a heartbreak. Right. Or I'll show a, a video or something or a commercial I worked on on the screen. They're like, oh, you did that or you were a part of that. Yeah. And so it would just connect that way. So they felt like they knew who I was or at least a part of who I was. And for me, it was fun because it was like, hey, like, I don't have to be a traditional. And I'm still at this time trying to learn what a teacher does. But I just took some of the things that I learned when I was over at the, um, the ID tech camp just to build connections with kids. So um, that's my goal too now is, you know, just being able to connect, you know, and, and, and sharing a little bit of your life with them. And then they start to open up and feel like you care and they start to share a little bit with you. So it got to a point where like the students were requesting me as a sub and then the teachers I was sub for would request me as well too. Like, oh, like, you know, there wasn't any discipline issues in the class, you know, and, and, you know, Johnny or Susie usually acts out, but they weren't acting out that day because, you know, in my opinion, they were, they were getting a little something that they hadn't had before. And so uh, that connection piece is huge, right? As we talk about learning the social, uh, but you got to be able to connect to, to, you know, the people that are teaching you. Um, and, you know, and, you know, you'll hear kids even to this day, well, you know, I don't do that teacher's work because I don't like that teacher. And I think a lot of times people go, well, it's not about you liking the teacher, but oftentimes that has a huge, that's a huge part of it. Like kids work, not even kids, right? People work for people they feel care about them and they can connect to, period. No, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, it's that power of connection. And one thing that I learned is students are going to give you back what you give to them. So yep. if there are some students that do have, you know, just that, that, mentality and that attitude of, I'm not going to do your work, you know, well, what is it that we're giving them, you know, as far as the, the attitude, what is our, you know, our community, do we have community in the classrooms? And I think, like you said, the power of connections is something important, you know, for yourself coming in from that tech and the media, you know, and coming into education and myself coming in from business and then coming into education. I see that there's a big parallel in the way that we kind of married the worlds that we were in and bringing them into the classroom and being highly effective. So I want to kind of ask a question here because I did have 
a former guest, Matthew Woods, who was on the show. And he he said something that really resonates. And even to this day, when I listen to that clip, and I want to maybe get your take on it. He said, you know, and he's an administrator. So he says, you know, Fonz, as I walk down the halls, he says, just by walking down the halls and looking through the doors, I can see which teachers came in from outside the traditional college of education setting and the ones that do come in through the college of, of education and nothing against that, but it, it just really resonates. He said, he goes, there's just something different about you that, you know, you're built different in the sense of the way that you see things. So I want to ask you now, as you are now a, an, you know, uh, an assistant uh, principal as well, and you have to kind of do those walkthroughs. What are some of those things that you may notice or, or the difference that you see between somebody coming in from industry or outside of education and those that have gone through education? I think the the thing for me is I got to go through the hall and uh, visit teachers' classrooms is uh, creativity, right? You, you see it. They're not, they're not following necessarily a script. Um, and I think teachers who come from the outside, not saying one is better or not, but I might be a little biased because I came from the outside. <laughs> uh, you, you, the way they capture their students' attention, right? They're going about it in ways that aren't traditional. Um, and they bring creativity and life into the classroom and you can see it, right? You know, they're, as you walk, maybe they have their doors open, uh, and they're greeting kids, right? As they're coming to the classroom. Um, you know, they're sharing a little bit about who they are and their life, right? You can see their walls. They have a story of who they are on their walls so kids can see and relate to. Um, you know, they are learners themselves, right? You, you know teachers who are learners um, and you know teachers who are doing it because they're, they're just comfortable, right? You have teachers who are, who are going to stretch and as they stretch, their students stretch. And so uh, but I think the, the the one thing that I see as I go through is just the creativity, right? They're able to connect and and create, and and they want to learn, and their kids follow suit. And now it's not a hundred percent of the kids, right? You know, you you have, you know, some kids who they have different challenges or things going on, but uh, you see the creativity. Um, and I think honestly, in my experience, uh, those teachers are great salesmen and women. Right. Because a lot of times they come from business. So you, you understand or you, if you're a good salesman or you need to understand your target audience. Right. It, each period of your day is going to be a little different. Right. So if you're selling the same way to every period and you got a different target audience in there, uh, if you don't adjust, things can go south real fast. But um, I, I truly think great teachers, great educators are, are great salespeople uh, because they're they're creative and, and, and they know how to connect. You know, that, I really like that. I like, again, it's just one of those questions that I often feel like, what's the difference? And like, I was talking to you a little bit earlier, you know, for myself, my colleagues that I work with, you know, I'm coming in from a business background. I have our, our math specialist uh, coming in from, well, I mean, he worked a lot of business. He did a lot of uh, groceries and, you know, so he understands that business aspect of it, management. And then, you know, he has a, his degree and, you know, he's our math specialist now. Um, you know, my colleague also who comes in from network and coming into, uh, you know, instructional tech, it, it just seems like when we're given a task, 
we always find it like the easiest solution, but it's really like the most creative solution. And it's about improvising, adapting, and overcoming. And that has been, those three words have been my go-to words since I started in education. The ability to improvise, adapt, and overcome. And as being a salesman before and working in marketing, that's really what you're doing with the students and making those connections. And that's something that is so important, but also that creative component that, again, myself not knowing or going through traditional college of education, I had to be creative in how I get my students to buy into what I'm doing and what I'm selling them. But then later on, what I noticed is that that creativity that I was bringing to the classroom for myself to be successful was something that was very contagious for the students as well as they wanted to be creative too. And then we started building that our community within our classrooms and allowing them to amplify their creativity. So let's talk a little bit about that in your experience and your experience now. How important was it for you in the classroom? And now is it for you being outside of the classroom as an AP for you to be able to see students amplify their creativity? Uh, it's, it's extremely important. I think one of the things, um, as you, you just mentioned, about uh, being creative is when you're when your learners see you take risk, they're more comfortable taking risk, right? Um, as as the leader of your classroom. Um, <clears throat> overall, I truly believe like constraint brings about creativity, right? <laughs> and and that's one of the ones I live by. So as you talk about like the you know the innovation, the adaption, the overcoming, like when you're in a confined constraint, like the most c- creative people. I found themselves boxed in and they figured a way creatively to get around it. And so that's one of the things that I really like to, um, as an educator in the classroom, would talk to our, our students or my students about, uh, you know, I started as a sub and then I went into uh, being a, uh, an intervention teacher, right? So as an intervention teacher, I'm helping students who are struggling, uh, in language arts or, or in math. Uh, but the great thing about it, right, is it's my, 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 like my, my will well, if you will, it's, I get to teach people, right? I get to, not I have to, I get to teach people how to operate outside the box when it comes to, uh, intervention. And so that, that was my whole thing. And I think that was part of the reason or is the reason, right. Of, of why I like it so much is being able to teach people how to think outside the box, because as a learner myself, a lifelong one. I'm always trying to find creative ways to do different things, right? Whether it's out of constraint or just out of curiosity, <laughs> right? Is uh, you know, uh, being innovative, uh, it's, 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 it's a lifestyle, right? It's, it's something that you want to pour into other people because I truly believe everyone has a creative gene. Um, and as we kind of talked a little bit pre-show, uh, as an educator, you got to fight for it, right? Cause it's real easy to kind of you know, go, all right, I'm going to just do what I need to do so I can get through the day. And sometimes you lose that spark or lose the fire. But, you know, when you're creative and you're in that area in which you're truly influencing others, you know, learners see it. But, you know, learn teachers have to continually want to learn, stretch themselves, be uncomfortable. Uh, and not just for the sake of encouraging or inspiring others, but to truly be an educator. I don't think you can truly be a a lifelong learner, educator, and just go, all right, I'm going to stay here. No, it, it, you know, the, the, the pendulum continually moves. Right. And so, um, you know, we want to be able to teach our kids that and, 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 and continue to grow in that, in that area. 
Excellent. Well, speaking about moving that pendulum forward, and we talked about this and I said, you know, I, I want to get your take on this. In the current state of education, we, we've heard the phrase for the longest time, I think as long as I've been in education, maybe like, I don't know, this is my 17th year. So maybe let's just say maybe 11 years back or started hearing this, like, we got to get our students ready for the 21st century. We got to get our students ready, like 21st century skills, 20. I was like, right now I'm already thinking about the 31st century, you know? And of course, yeah, yeah. we're talking. Yeah, we're talking about like, you know, Web3, we're talking about all of these things. So I want to get your take on this being and seeing that you are very, um, you know, in touch with, you know, the the technology as well, technology piece from your background. And of course, as, as a lifelong learner, like you said, and I truly feel like in our conversation, I can pick up that maybe you are a multi-passionate creative like myself, you know, kind of okay, dipping yeah. your toes in everything. And I actually wrote a blog about that, how that kind of gets me into a lot of trouble sometimes finding <laughs> that balance, but I want to learn everything, but I want to get your take on this. You know, what can we currently do in the current state of education or what is it that we have to look forward to, to also get our teachers ready for that 31st century skills, future of work, you know, future of learning. And also so they can pass that on to the, the students as well. What are some of the things that maybe in your own personal research, you know, trends, things that you see will be coming that we need to work on? Uh, yeah, great question. Um, you know, uh, I think one of those things is, is the, the, the web three, right? If we talked about, you know, blockchain technology, DAOs, all of those things. I mean, nationwide, uh, there's a, there's a teaching shortage, <laughs> right? And, you know, it may be a different topic as far as, you know, why there is one, but, um, I think one of the things as we talk about, you know, blockchain, web three metaverse and all of those things is ownership. Um, not only ownership in the sense of students being able to, you know, have ownership over their, you know, credentialing, their transcripts, their diplomas and things like that. And, and operating that way on, 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 on blockchain, I think that's a future thing, but I think as it relates to, uh, teaching and facilitating, right. And, and, and personalized learning. Um, I, I truly believe, um, as you talk about 31st century, right. Is, you know, the classroom looking different as it relates to it, not just being brick and mortar, right. Where the school itself isn't the, you know, the, 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 the school building itself isn't the place where all the learning happens, right. Uh, you know, facilitating that out through online environments or, or through creative means or, or through the metaverse or, or the eduverse or, you know, whatever, whatever term we want to call it. Um, I think teaching looks different. Um, it's, it's being a, a learning experience designer, right? When I walk into a classroom um, as a student, right, there is nothing the teacher is going to teach me that I can't look up on Google. There isn't, <laughs> right? Right. As a high school student, if I go into the classroom, whatever my teacher is going to teach me about math or about English or about science, for the most part, I, if I, you know, was interested enough, I could look it up on Google, right? But what we have to understand is we're, we're creating learning environments, right? Uh, you're creating experiences. And so why is that experience in your classroom or different than me going to Google to look it up? Because if I can just go to Google and look it up, then I'm not going to have any interest in what you're telling me. So your, your, your experience has to be authentic. It has to be unique. And I think as teachers, we got to find a way 
and you know, I know we keep using this word connect, but it's really building relationships, right? Sharing a little bit about who you are, giving the, the students an experience in the classroom, and you learn this in business that they can't go anywhere else and get, right? People don't go to Starbucks because they want coffee, right? <laughs> it's cheaper to make it at home, yeah. right? They go because they get an experience. And I think we really got to have that mindset of thinking, right, we're providing experiences for students. Um, it's not just, you know, get into what's in the textbook because, you know, 10, 20 years from now, textbooks aren't going to be here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so just having that mindset that you're creating learning experiences for students and those experiences don't only have to take place in your brick and mortar classroom. No, I love that. And even going back to textbooks, and this is a conversation that uh, our math, my math content specialist and myself uh, had, you know, stating, you know, even the books that we're using today, they're, they're, we do 10-year adoptions. And I was like, so, you know, we're, we're not even getting recent information, you know, for, for right. our students during that time. You know, things change on the daily, uh, you know, on the fly, hourly. And it's just a matter more so, like you said, all that information that's in the book, I can Google it. But how about teaching students, you know, those evergreen skills, like the collaboration piece and adding that into your, your uh, curriculum, you know, communication skills how to find yeah. information that's relevant, information that is truth and decipher between what is right, what is wrong when they get that information and just to continue to move forward. Because really those are the skills that you and I use on the daily. We need to learn how to collaborate. We need to learn how to build those relationships. We need to learn how to communicate. And the better we do that, the more successful we are in you know, our field and in our area. Well, the same thing goes for students, You know, future of learning, future of work but also understanding things will change. The technology piece will continue to move forward. And that ownership of being able to say, you know what, thanks to blockchain technology, you know, it's like, if I have this here in my transcript, or I have maybe this support that travels with me continually yeah. without changing. And I am the owner of all of that information all and something. Yes. And that's the beautiful part about it. So yeah, I really excited about that. And so. Thank you so much, uh, Dewan, for just your insight and your passion. I really appreciate you. I want to give a shout out to Coach William Jeffrey, also, who's joining us from LinkedIn. We've got Amanda, also part of the ED3 educators and the, the, the DAO as well. So GM to you, my friend, as well. Thank you, Mel from Colombia, for joining us as well. So I appreciate you uh, being part of this conversation as well as, uh, you know, Dewan and I are having some fun and we can probably go on like another show. So we'll definitely have to do a part two of this yeah. and we'll, we'll definitely bring you back to one, but it's been an honor and a pleasure to speak to you and hear your story hear you know, your experiences. But what I love is the way that you married your passion for ed tech and brought it into the education space, build that community, build up your students. And now as an AP, having the opportunity to make a greater impact too, as well as you just continually bring that world into the the education space and you're you know maybe be a, a wonderful person to start bringing in that web3 conversation into your school setting and into your district so we always are looking oh, so for that's, people that's plan. That's plan. yeah there you go people out that think outside the box and think creatively can improvise adapt and overcome and you definitely got it my friend so thank you so much but before we end as always, this is one of my, I'm going to give a shout out to Josh Tovar, who is a principal also here in Texas. And this is his favorite question that I always get to ask all the guests. And he's always tuning in for this. So Josh, if you're listening, 
here we go. So, uh, all right, Dewan, in the current state of education, through all the experience that you've had, what would you say currently is your edu kryptonite? Oh, um, edu kryptonite. Uh, I would say just, just like stagnation. I guess that would be it. Stagnation, right? As far as organizations being stagnant, education being stagnant, people like that, that to me pulls at my heart because, um, I like to think of myself as, as, as one who's always trying to move forward and, and, and as a forward thinker. And I will intentionally put myself in positions where I'm uncomfortable because I want to learn and grow. And so oftentimes, uh, especially since COVID, uh, right, which is still here, but you know, you had teachers who were forced to use some of these technology components. Uh, but now that things are kind of relaxed, they're going back to what they were doing before. And I'm, and that kills me. Cause I'm like, no, we were right there. Like, don't go back. Like, figure out what you were doing and move forward with it. So um, I think just encouraging and inspiring hope in those who are going back without, you know, being mad or frustrated. <laughs> right? So I, I think that's probably my, my edgy kryptonite right now. You know, and that's something that I want to touch on a little bit um, because what happened is, and this is, I think what I'm saying. Okay. So we went away from brick and mortar. We went online. We went virtual. Students had Chromebooks. They're learning. It was very difficult for a lot of teachers. For myself, it was like I was a fish in water. I had just uh, received my master's in educational technology that December of 2019. And then March 13 comes around and we're shut down. And I was like, all right, it's go time. Like, this is what I was built for. This is what I've been training for. And it was great and all, and some of the teachers really embraced it. Some of the teachers found it very difficult. Obviously, that component of not understanding now that as teachers, we were guests in our students' homes, you know, now we saw the reality of where they're coming from. We saw the true things that we don't see in the brick and mortar. And that was shocking for a lot of teachers. So I think that there was a lot of that that happened where... The, the students were just not engaged. It was very different. And, and teachers started kind of seeing that weakness, those components of, hey, you know what? I need to adapt to this learning style, to this teaching style and so on. So what I noticed is when we came back for our first full year, which was this last year that we've completed, it just seemed like those devices were actually, they were just put back into those carts, never touched, gathered dust. It was, there was such an anti-tech push that I saw, which to me, like you said, I was excited because I was like, we're there, we're there. This is yeah. what I've been dreaming for. This is what we're doing. This is where the future of learning is. And everything just kind of stopped. And then I started thinking a little bit more and saying, okay, I, I'm seeing things differently. I want to see things from a different perspective. And then, so I started thinking, I was like, is it because of kind of like that trauma that they associate that device? with COVID and they're like, I don't want any of that. I don't want to go through that. I don't want to go through that trauma of me not knowing and being vulnerable and being, I guess, finding out that I really am not an expert in what people think I'm an expert in. But that's where that vulnerability component comes in, where I think it's important to understand that it's okay to not know everything, you know, and, and give your learners a chance to really engage in the learning and 
to even teach you, you know, they've been in school for, let's say nine years, you know, or so or more, depending on what grade level you teach. And they're pretty good at knowing what works for them and what doesn't work for them. Unfortunately, we never ask them what works for them and what doesn't work for them, you know? Touch on an important thing. It's um, right. Being vulnerable. And I think as, as leaders on our campuses, uh, being that way with your teachers and with your students, because you know, it's, it's really moving from, you know, you know, the, the term sage on the stage to you're a facilitator. And that doesn't mean you know it all, but you help create the environment and the experiences where people can learn. And I think that's the, the where we are and where we're moving towards, but it, it takes a lot of vulnerability to get there. Um, and so that, like I said, that's my educryptonite is like, all right, I need to be a little bit more vulnerable, uh, so I can help move everybody along. Uh, so we can get to where we're trying to go. So, yep. Yeah. All right. All right, Dewan. Question number two. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Um, first, it would be, you know, Lakers win championship for the house. Like, uh, my, my Lakers aren't doing too good. But um, it's a quote um, from, from Nelson Mandela. I, I put it on the, the tag. Of, of my email um, all the time. And it just says, may your choices reflect your hopes, not your fears. And so um, I want to be a person that are making choices based on hope and not fear. And it's easy to hold on to the fear piece of it, right? So as we kind of just talked a little bit about vulnerable, right? Being vulnerable isn't something that's, that naturally comes easy to me, <laughs> right? But the, the hope is, is that when I am, that I can help inspire and empower others. And so, yeah, may, may, may your choices reflect your hopes, uh, not, not your. Excellent. I love that. All right, here we go. Last question. Dewan, if this was your podcast this morning and I was a guest on your show, what would be one question you'd like to ask me? Uh, question I would ask Foz is, um, what, what is, what do you want your legacy to be as it relates to not just ed tech, but you, when it's all said and done. Uh, what, what, what do you want people to say about it? All right. That's a great question. I, I would love for people to say he was a connector, you know, a connector, you know, oftentimes I, I think to myself and, and people, you know, say, you know, oh, you've got a great show, you've got this. And, but sometimes I, I think it's like, well, why do I do what I do? Like, you know, sometimes I still think like, is it worth it? Is it making a difference and so on? And I just continue being consistent with it because of this. Dewan, I would have never probably had a conversation with you had we not connected through, you know, our space over here with the uh, it, the Dow and so on and that coffee talk and to say, hey, I want I want to meet up and let's let's do this and so on. But the whole point for me do, too is I don't n not just want to connect for myself, but I want other people to connect with you. I want other people to hear your story. I want other people to learn from all of our experiences collectively so we can be 1% better every day or take that little knowledge nugget, nugget that today maybe you shared that a teacher is going to say, oh, wow, I never thought about it that way. Let me sprinkle it on to what I'm already doing great and enhance that learning experience for the student or just for themselves to fan that flame. So for me, it's just being a connector. I want to put people together, pair them up. And so that way they can do some amazing things and collectively just continue to move the education needle forward. So that's really 
that's really where I'm at, man. That's, that's what I would love for people to, to know me by as he was a great connector and, you know, the education uh, is somewhat a little bit better because of that. So, yeah. That's, so that's a great question, man. You got me good. <laughs> uh, no, man, I, hey, but I mean, you, you are doing exactly what you say you want your legacy to be, right? You know, you are connecting people. We call you Fonz. Fonz the Collector. That's going to be my name. Uh, a connector. I'm sorry. Fonz. There you go. That's what I'm going to call you. But, uh, but no, you're, you're doing just that. So uh, thank yeah, you. Man, well, thank you so much, Dewan. I really appreciate it. And Dewan, before we uh, we wrap up, can you please tell our, our audience members and those that will be listening to the show later on, what's the best way that they can connect with you? Um, uh, the best way is, is, is right now it's probably on uh, at, uh, at Twitter. Um, it's at uh, DJ underscore innovate. Uh, innovate is I N N O V and then the number eight. Uh, so um, that's the best way to connect. Um, I'm also on Instagram, but I, I tend to be on Twitter a little bit more. So if, if you're trying to reach out, uh, you know, at DJ underscore innovate on Twitter. And then, uh, yeah, that's that's the best way. There you go. And of course, you'll find all of that info on the show notes as well. And then that way you can go ahead and click on those links and make sure you do connect with Dewan. I mean, uh, and uh, uh, right now, recommendations for any other podcasters out there, definitely make sure you get Dewan. He's definitely going to, you're definitely going to have a great conversation. You're going to be learning a lot and your audience members will definitely learn a lot from that. So thank you so much. And to all of you that joined us, I want to give a shout out to Mel who joined us from Colombia. I know right now she's got a celebrating creativity event. That'll be happening right now live on Twitter. So make sure you check her out. If you're watching this live, if, of course, if you're listening to the recording, still go back to that channel and you'll be able to see some amazing guests share how they amplify their creativity. I want to thank also Amanda Macias, longtime listener, former guest, passionate educator, uh, passionate Web3 you know, educator as well. Thank you so much for joining. Coach William Jeffrey, also an amazing education leader. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much for all of your support as always. And also from the bottom of my heart to every single one of you, like I always say, those of you that support our show, share our episodes, share our clips, uh, you know, drop us reviews. Thank you so much. As always, we strive for excellence. So please make sure that you uh, visit our website at myedtech.life, myedtech.life, where you can go ahead and catch this amazing episode and all of our wonderful, amazing episodes where I guarantee that you will find something that you need for that specific moment in time that you can take and add to what you're already doing great to just, you know, fan that flame or share that passion with your students. Uh, also, please make sure that you stop by and drop us a review, drop us a line, let us know what we're doing great. Let us know what we can work on. I'm always open to feedback because as always, we want to make sure that we bring you the best. But also don't forget, guys, our mission, our vision and our passion is to always connect educators, education professionals and creators one show at a time. And if you want to be part of that mission and contribute to that mission, please stop by our store where you can get yourself some merch. We've got some nice caps. We've got some nice shirts that you can go ahead and get. And again, all of this goes back to the show to make sure that we continue to bring you the best of the best as always. So thank you so much for all of you and all of your support. And my friends, until next time, as always, like the sign says up here, don't forget, stay techie. We'll see you next time. <laughs>